I'm glad to see you again this evening. And uh, it's a joy to gather as a family of God. Amen? No matter where we come from, but when we gather together, we all come from different places. If I keep asking individually, you'll say, I was born in Alabama, I was born in Seattle, I was born in Los Angeles, but we are all going to go to one place. We're all going to go to heaven. Amen. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, this evening we want to give you thanks for who you are. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, take control of this whole service. Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This evening, we don't want to hear a human voice. We don't want to hear just the words, but we want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear that tender voice from heaven, the minister in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we just bind every distraction, every vial of the enemy to be broken in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give a big clap to Jesus. Amen. 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 I want to bring greetings from my wife and my children. And um, uh, just before I came to this morning service, I was able to talk to my wife. And she said, uh, in our services, many new people are getting saved. That's the good news. Amen. You know, like... uh, In the last days, our desire is not just to get the miracles of uh, people being healed. They can become sick again. But once they get saved, they become the citizen of heaven. And they go to heaven. You know, in India, as you know, like we have a lot of religion. And uh, uh, in Hindu religion, we have over 3.3 million gods that they worship. And they worship elephant god and monkey god and so on. There's one god who has six faces. If he catches cold, he will be in big trouble. (laughs) But we have a savior who's still alive in our midst. Amen. Shall we give him a big clap for the Lord who's still alive in our midst? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Our people have found a real hunger for God. Every month uh, for three days, we have fasting prayer. And we just call out to the whole church and say, like, uh, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we are going to have a fasting prayer meeting. More than they go for a birthday party, they get excited to come for a fasting prayer meeting. You know, uh, at least we have on in the morning service about 350 people who are hungry for God fast and pray and come to the house of God you know most of these are some of these are I would say most of these are women whose husbands are maybe not saved but they are to come only in the daytime they won't make it in the evening service because uh, their husbands won't let them go in the evenings, but in the daytime, before the husband c- comes back from work by four, they come in the morning, 10 o'clock, and go back by two. 
and receive the blessing of God. Many, many miracles have happened in this fasting prayer meetings. There's a young girl who came and she said she had a problem with her, uh, uh, with her stomach and uh, she went to the doctor. The doctor said that she had a big tumor on her womb. And uh, the doctor said you, she can't get married. You know, in Indian culture, the girls have not much say. You know, when, uh, when, the, when the parents find a good boy, they tell her, you better get married to him. And that's it. So even though the doctors told her not to be married, but she uh, was forced to get married to this man. And she came up and told us, this is what has happened. We told her, anyway, God is still in control of your life. So after uh, six months, she got pregnant, even though the doctor said she, she shouldn't be pregnant. But she came up to us and we prayed in the name of the Lord. We prayed for her and uh, she was a little scared, but you know, as the baby started growing, some miracle happened. As the baby was growing in a womb, the big tumor began to shrink smaller and smaller. When she had the baby in her, uh, in, her, in her tummy for eight months, at the time of delivery, the, sh the, the big tumor has shrunk so small that the doctors couldn't find it. And she delivered a beautiful baby boy for the glory of God. You know, all things are possible to him that believes. I want to hear that again. All things are possible to him that believes. believes. If you believe today and tonight, and you will see the glory of God. Now, many times people wonder, why all these miracles happening only in India or only in Africa? Why not in America? You know, one uh, experienced pastor, he said, hey, when I go to Africa, when I go to India, whatever I say, the people believe without any uh, reservation. But uh, I don't know about you in India, in, in America, but the thing is, I, we believe whatever the doctor gives us prescription much more than believing the simple word of God. You know, when the doctor says you have to take that yellow pill in the morning and the green and the red in the evening, we very faithfully take the yellow pill in the morning and the green and the red in the evening. Suppose you by, by mistake you're taking the red in the morning, you're guilty the whole day. You wonder, oh, I didn't do the way the doctor told me to do. But this night, the Lord is saying to you, you have to only put your faith in Jesus and God is going to make all things possible for you. Amen. You know, when this preacher was asked why the, the miracles happen in third world countries, he said that if the preacher says, how many of you have a real desperate need Raise your hand. They raised both the hands. And there was a man who was um, dying of cancer in a hospital in Madras. And he was a Muslim guy. And the parents, uh, the, the husband, uh, sorry, the wife and the family didn't want to tell him that he had cancer. But finally, doc the doctor came up to him and said, hey, you have no diet. You can eat whatever you want. That means that was his last stage. Somehow he knew that he was going to die. 
So he asked the doctor permission to go to the beach in uh, the city of Madras. <coughs> he said, uh, can I just be excused to go out and get some fresh air by the beach? The doctor said, you can take as long as you want because he knew that it's not going to make it. So he just hired uh, the bicycle rickshaw. He sat behind and he was taken by the beach. When he was going there, there was a healing crusade happening there. The big boards, billboards up on the sky, it said, Jesus loves you, Jesus heals you. When he saw those flashing big boards that Jesus loves you, Jesus heals you, faith entered into his heart. And he began to believe, maybe this Jesus loves me more than my Muslim God. So as he uh, got off from that, uh, from that uh, cycle rickshaw, and he was going, the people were singing like your choir, they were singing unto God. He was fascinated by the presence of God, and he was listening to the singing. As he was just sitting in the crowd, the preacher got up, and he began to preach only 15 minutes, unlike me. <laughs> And he began, he began to say, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus is your healer. As he was just speaking those words of faith, the faith entered into his heart. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing. And as he was hearing the words of faith, he believed in that Jesus. The preacher said, how many of you want to accept this Jesus as your Savior? He lifted both his hands. He said, come up to the front. I'm going to pray for you. He led them to the Lord with a simple word of prayer. As he was uh, prayed and led to the Lord, then the preacher asked, any of you who are sick, raise your hands. This guy knew that he was going to die. He raised both the hands and said, I need a healing tonight. And when the preacher prayed a simple but powerful prayer. And instantly, God healed him of his stomach cancer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> he was shouting, I'm healed, I'm healed. And uh, he said, I want to run up to the preacher and tell him what I was suffering from. And as he went to the, the platform, you know, sometimes some of those ushers, they keep asking you, really? Are you really healed? Are you sure? You know, by the time they lose their faith, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that guy was good. He said, okay, i let you go. When he went up, he said, I'm coming straight from hospital. And I came with this stomach cancer in my body. But when that preacher preached about the name of Jesus, I put my trust in him. And uh, he touched me. Today, I'm totally healed. You know, that crusade we were conducting in, in the shores of Madras, and uh, that particular day, the Hindu militants had hired a national television to tell the world that it's not happening, which is not true. He, they were trying to show on the 9 o'clock news that these people are a bunch of uh, cheats. They are trying to cheat the people. But when this Muslim guy went up on the platform. The preacher said, what you couldn't do before? He said, I couldn't even walk. He told him, in the name of Jesus, walk! 
and he began to run back and forth. These critics who brought their camera, they were busy shooting this guy, running by healed in the name of Jesus. Mind you, that nine o'clock on the news, without them paying any money extra, the whole good news of healing of Jesus was televised throughout the nation, throughout the nation of India. There is power in the name of Jesus. Can I hear a bigger amen? I want to just share with you in the life of Elisha in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. I want to just concentrate more on verses 8 to 14. As you know, like Elijah knew that he was going to be taken up to heaven. And he told his servant Elisha and told him, you be here in Gilgal. I'm going to go to, uh, uh, I'm going to go a little further away. And as he was saying that, and he told him, no, sir, I want to follow you. And as they were going, they came across Jordan, River Jordan. And uh, Elijah took his mantle and he smote the water. The Bible says the water was split into two. And Elijah and Elisha passed through the water to go over onto the other side. And uh, as he was following Elijah, all those four areas, as he was going from Gilgal to Bethel, Bethel to Jericho, and Jericho to Jordan, as he crossed over Jordan, Elijah was asking Elisha, what makes you to follow me all throughout this journey? What do you want me to do for you? Then Elisha asked Elijah, Sir, I want the anointing upon your life in a double measure over me. You know, when Elijah heard what Elisha was asking, he said, you ask for something very unusual, but if you see me taken up to heaven, you will have it. You know, what Elisha was asking was not to make the, the anointing and the power double over his life. But what Elisha was asking from Elijah was a double portion blessing of God. Amen. I don't know whether you are aware of the, in the Jewish culture, if they have two boys in their family, the first boy who is the firstborn, he always carries the birthright. The birthright means he gets everything double. If daddy brings ice cream home, maybe he has got three cones of ice cream, and the older son gets two cones of ice cream, the younger one gets only one cone of ice cream. I will never be the youngest son there. I want to have double always. <laughs> you know, but that's the culture of a Jewish nature. But the Bible says when Elisha asked for double, what he wanted to have is, he wanted to inherit the birthright anointing over his life. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, once uh, Jacob was making some uh, porridge, and Esau, who, his uh, elder brother, he went for hunting and uh, he was so tired as he was, walked in. And he saw his younger brother, you know, cooking some porridge. He said, hey, Get me some porridge for me to eat. And he said, 
I will give it to you, but provided you will give me your birthright. And uh, Isa said, what good is this birthright for me when I almost dying? So he said, okay, you have my birthright and give me the porridge. I want to tell you something special here. What Jacob did was he fasted a meal and he inherited the birthright from his brother. Just a fasting made him to be an owner of all the birthright from his brother. This evening, God wants you to know that our God always wants to give you very special tonight, provided you ask for it. Amen? Amen? You know, like uh, in this passage of the scripture, I want to just maybe read it to you uh, um, from uh, verses 7 onwards. And, uh, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they, uh, they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. You see, in this passage, the Bible very clearly tells us that as uh, Elisha took the mantle off from Elijah. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote the water of the Jordan. The Bible says, just like before, the water parted into two and he crossed over. When those uh, uh, prophets, the sons of the prophets were watching over this situation, they knew that Elijah carried the anointing of Elijah. And that they, be, they began to honor him. You know, there is a time in our lives, God wants you to know that we have to cry out to God like Elisha did and to call out to him and say, where is the God of Elijah? Today, in this modern world, there's no much time to believe in the word of God. They can believe in anything in their lives. But 
the word of God. There was a man from, from India. He went to Saudi Arabia and didn't get a good job. He stayed for about three years. He learned Arabic. And uh, he had a, a kind of a chance to go to Europe. And he went there, but he was a qualified man, but he didn't get a good job. He was uh, working as a waiter in one of the small restaurants in uh, Europe. And in that country, it so happened, one sheikh, Arab sheikh, came into that uh, restaurant. When he saw all the menus were all in English, but this guy doesn't follow English. So he was looking for any Arabic uh, that he could order for. He was so hungry, he couldn't get anything in English. He said, is there anyone who can speak in Arabic? And this man, that morning, he was so desperate, he was making only about $250 a month. He was so desperate, he said, how am I going to make my life and even support my wife who's in India? And at that time, that morning, he cried out to God and he said, where is the God of Elijah? Lord, I'm in a desperate situation. And he came as a waiter to serve. And this Arabic man, the sheikh, he said, is anyone who knows Arabic here? This guy understood him. And he came running in, yes, sir, I can speak Arabic to you. And then uh, he told him, I'm glad you could understand me. I'm very hungry. I want to have something to be ordered. What do you have? So he gave him the choice of everything. He spoke to him in Arabic and said, you have all these, whatever best, I can give you the best dish out of this. So when he ordered, then the sheikh was very happy and he enjoyed the meal and called that waiter and asked him, what are you doing here? He said, you know, I was desperate. I was in Saudi Arabia for over two years, but I didn't get a good job. Now I come here. And he asked, how much you're making per day, uh, per month? He said, about $250 per month. And then the sheikh told him, do you know what? I'm going to pay you $250 a day. Will you take the job? He said, yes, I will. And he gave him, I, will, I would have taken it myself. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'm going to give you the whole month salary in advance. And I want you to come up, come to my country. I will treat you well. So I think within a few days, this guy took off and went back to Saudi Arabia, this uh, Indian guy. When he went there, little did he know that this uh, sheikh was owning a big five-star hotel. Wasn't running that well for, for days or years. And he told him, I trust in you, my friend. I want you to take over this hotel. Be a manager of this hotel and do well. And your God is with you, he said. Then uh, this man of God, he's a believer. He cried out, where is the God of Elijah? And now God gave him a very good uh, position as a manager of the hotel. And he always was standing there with a Pentecostal smile. And he was inviting everyone to come and stay in the hotel. Surprisingly, within a year's time, what the sheikh has spent to build that hotel was totally paid off in one year just because of this man who was faithful to God. 
At the end of that, the sheikh called him and told him, do you know what? I want you to own this hotel because I already got my money what I put on, invested on that hotel. So you are the owner of this hotel. And in a, in a year's time, a man who was desperate to get his money even for his bread, uh, a little money, he became a millionaire because he put his faith in the God of Elijah. Amen. Hallelujah. When Elijah started his journey, he started from Gilgal. In the Bible, Gilgal means a separation. God took Elijah and trained Elisha to know a life of separation. As a child of God, you and me are being separated unto God for a greater glory. Just because the worldly people are living a worldly life doesn't mean that you have to go and compromise with the world. In India, we, in our little town, all the people that live in colonies, like there are rows and rows of houses in the gold miners colony, and sometimes they're across their colony, and maybe they're celebrating the Hindu festival. We teach our believers and to teach their children and sometimes they may be having a festival of light. They'll be uh, setting fire to a lot of firecrackers and fireworks. But we teach our believers to teach their own children that we don't celebrate those Hindu festival, but we are separated unto God. Amen. Amen? So when they go home, they teach their children and say, you don't go and watch those crackers of your neighbors, what they are setting, because they are not God's children. So we are separated unto God. This evening, God wants you to know that God has already called you to be at Gilgal, a place of separation. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, not only that, you know, when the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, when the people of Israel crossed over Jordan and God told them to carry on a Passover. A Passover is like what you make a covenant with God by, you know, taking a lamb and taking the blood on the doorpost and celebrating a Passover. But that is a time that God taught the people of Israel as to learn the blessing of Passover in Gilgal. You know, in our lives, God wants us to cross over Jordan to have a separated life. You know, in the Bible, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, the Bible very clearly talks about how God wanted the people of Israel to give honor to the Ark of the Covenant. You know, until that day, as you know, even in the days of uh, 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 David, they took the Ark of the Covenant, people were going dancing before the Ark and so on and on. But for Joshua, God gave a new strategy. In uh, verse 3 and 4, as you read, it says very clearly to reposition God's presence before them. 
And the Bible very clearly says that the Lord, uh, I want to read maybe verse 3 and 4. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of Jehovah your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. What the Lord was telling Joshua was that until today, you carried the Ark of Covenant somewhere behind you. But today, God wants you to reposition the Ark of Covenant before you. The moment you put the Ark of Covenant before you, the Jordan will open up. This evening, God wants you to carry the presence of God before you. When the presence of God goes before you, your Jordan will open up for you. I don't know what is your big Jordan in your life. You know, when I started the Bible school, we were in a small rented house. We had about 14 boys at the Bible school at that time. They were all sleeping on the floor in one room. Mind you, we don't have the problem of, uh, you know, like a homosexual problem. But, you know, I was a little desperate to see 14 boys sleeping in one room, one next to the other. So I began to cry out to God and said, Lord, I need a Bible college, a property of my own. But I never wrote a newsletter. I never wrote any hint to anyone. But, you know, for our Bible school students, I not only teach them theology, I teach them one more subject called neology. Some of you got it. <laughs> How to bend your knees before God. And I just told them, you may fail in your theology, but never fail in neology. You know, I told the boys, boys, we are going to have morning prayer from 6 to 7. So I want all of you, let's go to the church and pray for an hour. They had no idea what to pray for. But I knew desperately we needed a building of our own. So I took the boys to our church 6 to 7. We knelt before God, 14 boys and me, raising our hands to God. I, I, the boys asked, what is the prayer request, Pastor? I said, Speak in tongues. Pray to God in tongues. Because our Holy Spirit knows what all our, our needs are. So they were praying and speaking in tongues for an hour, not knowing what they're praying for. But the Holy Spirit knew what they were praying. I was desperately crying and praying, Lord, we need a building of our own. I don't want the boys to be in that situation anymore. For one and a half years, we were praying. In the morning, every morning, 6 to 7. By 7 o'clock, we'll hold our hands and say, Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. At that time, some miracle happened. My, uh, my dad was invited to come for a 20th anniversary for a church in Lewiston, Idaho, near Spokane. And my dad underwent uh, eye surgery at that time. So he wrote back to the pastor and said, I won't be able to make it, but my son is going to come for the anniversary. Is that all right? We were just newly married at that time. So the pastor said, you're most welcome. So I, I, I'll be happy to have your son come over. 
So I was newly married. I didn't want to leave my wife back home. So I just prayed, Lord, if it is your will, I want to take my wife to, to this conference. And God did a miracle and she got her visa. And also God upgraded me and my wife to a business class from day one, from India all the way through. Our God is a God of upgrade, isn't he? So we came to the conference. While we were in the conference, the pastor who took me and trained me at the Bible school, he heard about me and my wife. We were already in the U.S. So he invited me and my wife to come over to his service on, uh, on Sunday to share the word of God. So I took the invitation and I went to their church. And I was standing at the podium like your pastor uh, and introduced me and uh, put me here. And uh, as I was standing there, the pastor brought an envelope and handed over to me. I thought this is very strange. Normally, you give a love offering after the service, but this pastor, I think he must be from India. <laughs> so he gave the, the, the envelope even before I could preach. So I just prayed over the envelope and put it on the podium. He said, no, open it up. This is even strange. You don't open and show your love offering to everyone. So, but because he said I obeyed and opened the envelope, I was shocked to see a $50,000 check inside. I, I literally cried and I turned white. You won't know the difference, but uh, and I cried unto God and said, Lord, I never spoke to any man, but you're a God of Elijah. I thank you for answering my prayer. That one church came forward and built us a 50,000 plus another 30, 80,000, a beautiful Bible college building the ground floor. And again, the same church came back. I never asked for a penny from them. The same church came back and built another floor with 10 dorms for uh, 60 boys to stay. And the same church came back again and built a beautiful dining hall for the boys. The same church came back and bought us a beautiful minibus, which is supposed to seat only 15 people, or we take about 55 people in it. <laughs> In India, everything is big, but not as big as America, for sure. <laughs> I was having a special roast beef and, um, and a dinner, and they brought a huge potato, so big. They said, this is from Idaho. It's an Idaho potato. I could hardly finish half of that. You know, it was so big. Because uh, our God is big, too. So we worship a big God. You know, this evening, I want you to know, like, uh, when we go from Gilgal, God makes a separation in our life. Then Elijah said, let's go over to Bethel. Bethel means a house of God. You know, like uh, Jacob had a vision of the ladder and, uh, you know, like uh, angels ascending and descending. And he knew and he called that name, the place, as Bethel. You know, Bethel means where God dwells. This evening, 
God not only makes you to be separated unto God, he takes you to dwell in the presence of God. Um, my, my, my dad and my uh, brother-in-law and the whole family, they had a crusade in the city of Agra. Agra is well known for having a, one of the beautiful buildings in the whole world called Taj Mahal. I, I studied in that city two and a half years. And uh, when my brother-in-law and my sister, I was away, but I heard the whole story. On, on that crusade, an evangelist had come from Canada. Uh, he came and he was preaching the gospel. Little did we realize from Agra on the way to Delhi, there's a place called Mathura. The Mathura is the birthplace of Hare Krishna. From, from that city of Mathura, over 300 men, the Hindu militants, came with the staff on the trucks to the meeting. We had no idea. So 300 men came and stood by those 300 lights they put to light up the whole crusade. When the man of God was preaching the word, the leader of the Hindu militant began to shout a slogan to the whole crowd. The 300 men stood up and broke all the lights in that crusade. The whole crusade was in pitch darkness. They were brick batting. They were throwing stones at every place. On that day, the Anglican choir was singing the songs. And when one stone fell on the drum uh, cymbal, the whole Anglican choir disappeared. And uh, during that time, the preacher was standing all by himself. And he began to claim, you cannot do anything to me as God's servant because Jesus is standing by me. In the pitch darkness, no one could see anything. Someone ran up and brought a little electric light and brought 60 watts little bulb so that the whole crowd was in great chaos. But the man said, Jesus is here. He's able to do miracles. So when the, when the Hindus were still beating up everybody, he said, tomorrow... We are going to have a crusade, not evening 6.30, but we are going to start 5 o'clock in the daylight. You don't need any lights in the daylight, right? So he said, 5 o'clock, we are going to have a crusade. When he announced, people were a little bit panicking, but they came. The first day, they had about 8,000 people, but the second day, it was only 5,000 people came. But when they were there, there was a mafia leader of that area. He was standing and listening to this man who came. But we went to the police and we told them, we are going to just proclaim the name of Jesus and we won't touch anybody for healing, but we want the permission. The mayor of the city said, okay, I will give you permission, but on one condition, just don't touch anyone. So we said, we know because God, Holy Spirit can touch wherever the people are, right? So he said, no, we won't touch anyone. So the mayor of the city gave permission. Four fellows with AK-47 uh, guns giving a security to the preacher. And there were about four, what do you call those, those guys uh, who can shoot from far? 
snipers. So they were on the, on the building, they're pointing to the crowd, and this four AK-47 machine gun pointing to the people, and he gave the gospel. And the people, many got saved, not only because of the love of God, they were also pointing the gun to you. <laughs> but in that group, the mafia leader, but they were not uh, being touched anyway. The, the preacher said, I want to pray for the sick people tonight. How many of you are sick? There was a Muslim guy. He had his 12 years daughter had been born deaf. She couldn't hear anything. And this man, very poor Muslim, he heard the preacher say, and he, the preacher said, whatever your sickness, lay your hands where your sickness are. The mafia leader was behind these people. And this Muslim man put both his hands over his daughter's ears. Right after prayer, the girl turned around. I can hear. I can hear. You know, but there was a restriction that nobody, the preacher, should touch. But this mafia leader, he grabbed the hand of the girl. He took the Muslim father. He said, come with me. I saw that man did not touch you, but his God has touched you tonight. So I want to take you on the platform. When the mafia leader walked by, the police officer was saluting the mafia leader because he was such a popular leader. So he went up and told the crowd, hey, this preacher did not touch this girl. I, I am a witness. I am a living witness. I saw that Jesus' name has set this girl free. Amen. Amen. When this news came, you know, all these days uh, on the news, they were writing everything negative, all the critics, you know. Jesus is not true. This guy has come from Canada. Maybe he's a spy from Canada to India, all the dirty things. But this mafia leader, that evening, he went to the printing company, newspaper company. As soon as he went, the editor got off from his chair and gave him his chair. He made this mafia leader to sit down. And the mafia leader said, take down what I'm telling you now. Jesus heals. Jesus sets people free. And write the story of this girl on the front page. If you don't, I'm going to burn your printing company tomorrow. <laughs> Can you imagine that the next morning, without the, the crusade people spending any money, right on the front page, it said, Jesus heals, Jesus set people free. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not telling a story, my friend. I lived in that city of Agra. I know what I'm talking about. Right after that crusade, today there is a church built in that city. There's a Bible college running in that city. You know, God wants us to, you know, like uh, God wants us that the Bible says, kingdom of God is compelled. They that compel inherit the kingdom of God. Today, God wants us to be a violent to take in action the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? 
You know, from there, God took the, uh, Elijah to Jericho. You know, Jericho is a place. The Jericho means pleasant, but not many pleasant things happen there. But uh, still, God wants us to go through Jericho. And finally, here they crossed Jordan. And when they were coming back, and Elijah was taken up, and Elisha was all by himself, he cried out and said, where is the God of Elijah? He did not say, where is Elijah? He called out the God of Elijah. This evening, God wants you to know, when we call upon the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Many years ago, I went to Malaysia to preach the word of God on invitation. And as I went there, uh, that Friday, I was fasting the whole day to speak in a little small uh, Bible study that evening. And uh, I was staying in someone's house. And uh, a family who had a boy about 12 years old, he had rheumatoid arthritis. And he has never walked for years. His, both the legs were stiff like a log. They would carry him for, to bathroom everywhere. So they had brought, I didn't know that. When I was praying and fasting, the host, the house uh, lady said, Pastor, somebody has come to see you. When I went there, there was a Hindu man and his dear wife and this boy, uh, I mean, laid on the couch. And I asked them what had happened. The lady began to break down and crying. She said, my son, he can't walk. I, I, I have only one son. I don't know what will happen to him as a future. I told her, do you believe in Jesus? She said, yeah, I'm trying to beginning to believe in him. So I led the husband and the wife to the Lord. And then I prayed for this boy. I said, Lord, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. I prayed over him. That was Friday evening. And Saturday I went to another home. And on Sunday I was preaching in an Anglican church there. And I was preaching the same scripture verse at the name of Jesus. Every knee uh, shall bow. As I was preaching the word, I saw a husband and wife and a little boy walking into the church. And he came and knelt down at the altar and prayed and went back to sit. I couldn't recognize him much while I was preaching. And at the end of the service, the father and the mother and the boy came. They began to cry and thank me. I asked them, how did this happen? And the mother said, as usual, I put him to bed on Friday night. And Saturday morning around 8.30, he saw some kids were playing outside through the window. The boy, he wanted to go and play with those kids. So he kind of lifted his legs and put it down. The leg began to bend. He got up from his bed and he ran out with the other kids. And he began to play with them. And the mother, as usual, by 8.30, she came to take the boy to the bathroom for a shower. And she couldn't find him. She thought he has fallen off the other side. She, he was nowhere to be found. When she went, ran and saw, the boy was playing outside. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, what we need tonight is the touch from our master's hand. I'm going to close with this. I know my time is over. In the country of Italy, there was a young man who was trying to collect all the secondhand violin. And he was just trying to auction all those violin out in the marketplace. As he was just trying to auction all those violin, he took one violin and said, Hey, I want to auction to you $30. And nobody was interested in that old violin. And he was so dejected and disappointed. He dropped the violin and went back to the crowd. There was an elderly man. He said, can I have a look at your violin? He said, do whatever you want. He took the violin and he took his handkerchief and began to dust off all the dust off from that violin. And he began to tune those strings to the proper tuning. And he put the violin in position and he began to play a beautiful melody. You know, many people say that violin is queen of instruments. If you really know how to play, you can make the people cry. If you don't know how to play, also make the people cry. <laughs> he began to play a beautiful melody. It kept on playing. It attracted a lot of people in there. And a big crowd gathered. He kept on playing back and forth. And after a while, he gave the violin to the auctioneer, said something in his ears, went back to the crowd. And now, the man with all the enthusiasm took the violin. He said, I want to auction this violin to you. He said, $100. Someone said, $200, $250, $300. He sold it for $300. As a young boy was watching the whole thing, he said, hey, I don't believe this. It's happening in Denton. You know, he couldn't even sell it for $30 before, but now he literally sold it for $300. What's happening here? The elderly man happened to be next to him. He said, hey, it's nothing but the master's touch on that violin. It transformed from $30 to $300.